Hi guys, I'm Brad Montgomery and welcome to The Breakdown. Here we take a look at different topics in science, investing, and psychology. Today we're going to be taking a look at the legalization of marijuana in New Mexico and how that works as a business. I'm here with Kwame Ponchak. And Kwame, first first tell us, what do you do? Um, so I'm one of the founders of Soul Cannabis. Um, Currently, uh, Brett and I oversee all of our operations, and we have a couple silent partners um, on the back end to help us get it done. And you've got your own, basically, well, let's first talk about this. So so marijuana became legalized in New Mexico. What did that look like to you with what you do before that happened, as it looked like it was going to happen, and then once it did? Uh, so I've been a part of the industry since 2015. and. Um, I've been steadily preparing myself to, you know, give back to the community that, you know, gave forth to me. Um, I was a cannabis patient myself, uh, deliciliac disease and ulcers. So um, it became my bread and butter, um, you know, for medicine and wanting to bring forth a better medication. Um, you know, like I said, to the community that gave back to me was something that I was looking forward to do. And so once New Mexico kind of opened up those floodgates, I uh, jumped right in head first. So. Um, my partner and I uh, created a plan on a napkin um, at an Applebee's. It was a six-hour meeting, and um, that was the birth of Soul Cannabis. Um, I searched around for building after building, but now, really quickly, so 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 here now, and this is right before you were thinking it was going to be legal, or or. or after it became legal you waited then so right before we knew that legalization was going to happen okay. we had begun doing the planning and, and what was your um, initial business plan looking like at that point so initially um you know i come from a botany background i'm a horticulturist and agronomist out of new mexico state and, nice um you know one of the things that i wanted to bring was a quality bud flower okay. um, so i was looking more on the growing side of things um, I had opened up a couple different um, dispensary entities here in the state with, um, you know, a few of the larger entities that have, you know, been, been in the medical playing market. Okay. Um, when it came to recreational, um, I knew that there was something that needed to change, but still stay consistent with medical. So we began, you know, formulating a plan on that. We didn't think it was going to get so big, though. Um, right. We, we originally didn't, you know, um, intend for us to go through a full face facility and a vice license through the state of New Mexico, but we ended up doing that. And I know, so so, and we're going to get to the medicinal part and how that works with the recreational part in just a little bit. So one of the things that you did, and was this before or after legalization where, I guess it would have been after where you purchased the building. And, and this is a really unique story. This is kind of a really unique piece of this. Yeah. Tell us about that. So um, as some people say, I kind of just jumped off the ledge. Um, you know, I was searching for properties before legalization had hit. Right. Um, that was in early 2021, um, and we had, uh, you know, honed in on a couple entities that looked good for us, but, you know, some people aren't, you know, to renting to cannabis entities uh, or even selling to cannabis entities. Okay. So it was very hard, to, you know, grooming out that process with our real estate agent, but um, located this property and it was, you know, condemned for 11 years. I don't think the city would have had anything more to do with it than demolish it in the okay. next few. Um, it looked like something that had a lot of birth for us and okay. it had a big property. So we we're like, we could grow here. We could, you know, run the dispensary operation. We could fix up the kitchen and maybe do something with edibles and creations there. Um, so I was like, Hey, can I purchase the property from you? Cause the, the man that had owned the building, he had owned it for 33 years okay. and, you know, it was kind of wholesome to him. And he didn't want to sell it to anybody that, or rent it to anybody that was going to leave a bad smell. Ah, got um, it. So purchasing was the only option. So at that point in time, it was like, well, 
are we going to do this or are we not going to do this? And, you know, we jumped into it full force and purchased the building and um, from then started the build outs. We didn't know if we were going to have a license. We didn't know if we were going to be actually, you know, granted the opportunity to apply for a license. We okay. just knew that we had to get it done. So you had to get that. So you got that actually done before technically it was legalized because yes. you want to be on the front end. Absolutely. So, um, you know, the beautiful thing about our story is we, um, you know, did all the build outs ourselves. Um, you know, we contracted everybody locally for some nice. things that we finite couldn't do, um, but we refaced the building completely. We redid the electrical. Um, all the plumbing is new in the building, the roof. HVAC is completely redone in the building with the security system. We redid all the floors, even to some of the surface walls. So um, the building is to 2022 standards. And we did all of that up until the April 1st date when we actually opened up and we didn't get our license until the night before. And, you know, you mentioned one component of it. Obviously, you, got, you have to retrofit the building yeah. to your needs and get the code and everything. But the security surveillance system, there, there's, it's required. Yes. So what 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 are they obviously for security reasons what what are the requirements on that? How much are they asking for? So in security, um, they ask that there's no blind spots in the building. So typically your security is how, you know, dynamic your building is. A lot of dispensaries are box settings. Um, our dispensary is a, you know, we call it the dispensary mansion. It has a lot of nooks and crannies. It's okay. a very old building. Um, so, so you had to do a lot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it was actually one of the largest uh, dispensary uh, surveillance build-outs, CC television um, build-outs that they've done in the state. Um, and they outfitted us with uh, an amazing camera system that's indoor and outdoor. Um, we have no blind spots in the building, including all of our overhead register, um, you know, implements. So kind of like your bank situation, we have... Uh, a very very tight security group um, and then even our, our windows we tried to go away from defacing the building with bars um, so we put 3m blast film we got in contact with 3m there was a distributor here out of el paso that they trusted with the installation product uh, process so they um, installed the blast proof film on our windows so can't knock through them you know you can't you know but you don't have the bars which yep is nice. so we don't have the bars and they're actually more secure than the bars so we uh we pride ourselves in our buildings very very tightly secured now and um you know not be faced at it as well so and you also talked about and is, is this the same location because you did get a sizable building that you're going to do the consumption lounge or is that going to be in a different so we actually do have the consumption lounge on site okay. um and we are operating um, so the consumption lounge has been open and um, we've been operating through the state. We were granted the first license in the state of New Mexico, um, which was, you know, a great pride, you know, thing for us that we actually, you know, fulfilled the build out and did something that was, um, you know, rightful through the state's eyes. Um, we managed to stay in close contact with them on their parameters and what they needed, you know, to stay within the Queen um, D. Johnson Clean Air Act. And um, that, you know, admitted us to you know, have the uh, consumption lounge there on site. Now, let me ask you, are the parameters as far as usage, are they kind of running it similar to alcohol? So how does it work in that? So there, there's a, you know, I want to say that the both are very disconnected. Okay. Um, but when you're looking at the finite legalities of it, mm -hmm. um, the dispensary is very much the liquor store okay. and the consumption lounge is the bar. Uh, we try to keep both separate. Um, in the sense that you purchase uh, your goods in the consumption lounge that you consume in the consumption lounge. And they okay, don't, so and they don't leave. Yes, separate uh -huh. purchases and they don't leave the consumption lounge. Okay. So what you buy there is consumed there. If you don't consume all of it, it is left there. 
Um, And that, you know, allows us to mitigate, you know, people bringing in, you know, foreign objects or, you know, also over consuming, you know, in abundance. (laughs) So we try to keep up with the state regulations on how much a consumer can consume in one day um, and then to our flight, how much they consume in one sitting. And so you mentioned, you know, overconsumption, too, and it made me think of driving. Mm -hmm. But so how do you is it is it similar to like a bar if someone's been overserved you kind yeah. of you can step in and say okay absolutely okay. so you know there's a lot of cab services that we can call for people okay. to get you know rides and we ask for that as you know be available for them we also have a waiver form that they, every patient comes in and signs um, attesting to you know their knowledge that they're not off of any other products besides the cannabis that they're consuming on site um, you know, and for this, we have trained personnel that are in the consumption lounge at all time. There's usually about three personnel walking around, yeah. making sure people are still catered to and taken care of. Um, and that allows us to make sure that they're not, you know, purchasing over their limit. Um, and we're also tagging and tabbing receipts to make sure that they're not, you know, bringing receipts from the previous day and consuming objects that, you know, they've already consumed. So. Um, we do mitigate their usage and, you know, try to keep it, you know, to a square value that, you know, they're consuming, having a fun time, but then being able to leave safely. So that runs very, very differently. Consumption lounge versus the dispensary. Yes. It is dispensary, I guess, much easier to run that side of it. Yes, it, it is. Um, there's there's security hazards with each of them. You know, you want to keep the patient safe and you want to keep your personnel safe. So we do have you know, panic buttons for um, all of our employees that they wear and they have at each register just in case if there's anything that occurs. Um, but when it comes to running the dispensary, um, mitigating the patient's usage is up to what the state system and tracking um, directs. For medical patients, it's up to 420 units. Okay. Um, for recreational patients, it's up to a couple ounces of usage per day. So, um, you know, those type of things are mitigated in the state tracking system for us. Um, rather than, you know, at a personnel level. So those things are, um, you know, different between the dispensary and the consumption lounge. But if I want to say that the consumption lounge has made things safer for patients, I uh, definitely want to say it has. Um, We have a lot of patients that live in apartments or their, you know, only way of being able to access their cannabis is to go to a local park or to smoke in their vehicle because Uh, they can't smoke indoors. Um, But now it's illegal to smoke at a park or out in public, but you can consume cannabis recreationally. So our facility gives a place for people that, you know, didn't have a safe haven to consume their medicine. They can now run down to Seoul, consume their medicine there safely, wait till the onset of the effects are done, and then they can go home and be polite and they don't have any disturbances there. There's no public disturbance. There's no, um, you know, smell and odor in their vehicle that they have to worry about. Neighbors. Absolutely. So um, there's, it's a lot more of a controlled setting rather than the patient just coming to the dispensary, buying an abundance and then bringing it outward. So there's some positives. Yes, there's definitely some positives. It's interesting. Now, now this is what I was curious about. So on the business side, as far as the dispensary goes, I had heard that it needs to be 25% medicinal or medical and 75% recreational. You have to have that quarter percent or that quarter at 25%. So what, what do you, is it the same on the dispensary side as well? Yeah, so... Or it's 25, 75? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we hold um, ourselves as um, a facility, a patient-forward facility. Um, a lot of facilities have, you know, adhered to the 25% of their product withheld, but they're um, not still putting the patients forward. Um, since this is an industry and, you know, around what the patients have done for us and, you know, implemented. 
So for us, we do give um, patients right, you know, right forward um, in the line. So if there is a line of recreational patients, we do have patients um, that are medical patients that do get to skip the line. Um, and that and, helps them and it helps you because you're making your numbers. And it helps them access, uh, you know, the uh, products readily available for them, you know, in a quicker sense, as well as we do have 25% of all of our products, especially niche products that we have in the dispensary uh, held off for medical patients only. But we do pride ourselves in treating every patient as a patient. So recreational to medical, they get the same service. They see the same types of products. Um, we have the dosing and the milligrams um, set to where our chefs in kitchen um, are making things that can be, you know, coinciding on a recreational and a medical side of products. Oh, even for the edibles? They can yes. Be, oh, interesting. Yes, because medical edibles have um, a higher milligram that they can be um, okay. and a different set uh, way that the pieces um, can be broken up in the package. Okay. Recreational, it has to be divvied up specifically 10 milligram pieces. Um, so we try to make sure that all of our edibles coincide to both markets. So everybody has, you know, a reliable source of medicine that they can try. So like the plant itself, the edibles can be dosed higher for medical. Yes. Interesting. That's mm -hmm. really interesting. Yeah. And what what goes into making the edibles? And this is what I was curious about, too. I, 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 well, for one, I wondered if you guys just sourced out or outsourced your edibles. That was easier. But you said, you know, you've got the kitchen area. Mm -hmm. You can make your own. Yes. What are kind of like the other strict regulations on that? Is there kind of oversight on that? How yeah. does that work? So uh, right now, both departments, the uh, Department of Health and um, Department of you know Ag are working on um, you know getting all products that are cannabis um, regulated through the state and you know FDA system that they have for you know all consumable products on yeah. the restaurant level. Yeah. Um, both coincide with you know cleanliness and what we have to do for safety tips and. Um, both coincide for what we have to have for our personnel, um, but they do have, you know, a couple areas that they uh, they don't coincide with where um, the CCD and the RLD uh, make us, you know, suit up and get a little bit more um, grandeur on our backward paperwork for um, our food saving and uh, our food serving and handling. Um, our personnel has to be in lab coat, you know, completely hair netted up. Um, only certain personnel are allowed in our kitchen at, you know, times. So it's a very clean and sterile environment, which on, you know, the back end, it hasn't been that sterile for, um, you know, the regular FDA regulations that we go through as a state for, you know, food administration. Right. So um, both of them are, you know, trying to, you know, work together to make sure that they, you know, lock hands. Um, but we put ourselves right in the middle. We went to our local legislation and said, hey, what do we have to do for our kitchen? And they pointed out the areas that we needed to, you know, remodel and do. And we uh, remodeled it to a completely 100% brand new state. Um, to go floor. above and beyond. Yeah, yeah. to go above and beyond. Um, so that way, once they did figure out their, um, you know, their parameters, we could we could kind of uh, still write that poster child uh, paperwork for them, just like we did with the consumption lounge. Um, but we are held to a very clean and neat standard um, with both our lab and our kitchen. That's, that's very interesting. Because you, you had always heard... And I'm sure you heard this in the past, you know, well, if it's legalized, you know, it can be, it can be regulated mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it basically held to a higher standard. Yes. And I guess that's, that's what we're seeing. In New Absolutely. Mexico. Um, New Mexico did a wonderful job of taking a look at every other legal market and saying, okay. what are they doing? What are they not doing? And how can we implement some of these changes into our system before those, you know, um, you know, 
occurrences happen and it's kind of like what they're doing with the state pesticide list um for what we do for growing on a sense has been you know in all cases across the nation has been not as tested as it should be like right. all ag consumed products okay. um okay. and the state of new mexico um, revamped their pesticide list to make sure that there was actually a space for cannabis out there. wow that's and, interesting um, it allows us to do more research and um have a little bit better knowledge on what this plant can actually take phytotoxicity levels wise and um, what we can actually put into it for the consumer level. Keep Um, it safer in that area too. Absolutely. And the same thing with our edible testing too. Um, We test all of our oils weekly um, to get that tested by Rio Grande Analytics Receptor Labs. And they give us a full report on what that oil actually has and contains in it before we put it into the edibles. And then on the back end because some can be a little stronger strains and okay variations absolutely we see the difference between certain sativa flowers that we put in through testing for edibles can have different spikes in milligrams so um, for those we don't have to put as much oil into the products to get that milligram out so um there it's definitely a science that's uh it's learning and it's evolving around itself and um you know, definitely the state is working to make uh, better marks to make sure it's all safer right. and, um, you know, the information is more available to the consumer. It sounds like, too, they're really working hand in hand with you guys. Yes. I think you guys, almost like you guys are learning from each other. Absolutely. Um, we've sent in a number of labels from all of our uh, products that we have and RLD has been down to our facility to, you know, tour and, you know, kind of get a look at what a full face cannabis entity Wow. Um, looks like because there's really nobody that's doing it all in house all in one area right so wow it, it, you know we have 24 employees that cycle out each day and um it's a very uh it's it's a very chaotic uh, situation to kind of run and manage but we get it done very very well and um you know staying up to the state parameters it's a it's a beautiful thing to be able to you know learn and adapt and um kind of write these rules um you know as we go um, but, you know, our labeling and such, we had, you know, news crew in the other day talking about how there's a fault within some California packaging um, that's been making it across state lines. And um, that, you know, me being a family man, I have my son and I would hate, you know, kind of those types of goods to get in his hands. And so we pride ourselves in our labels being very direct, our packaging that be very RX like. So you you get that feel like if I'm getting my medicine from Seoul, right. I'm getting it from a Walgreens or a CVS pharmacy. It's it's understood. It's a trusted brand. It's a trusted brand. My kids can't tear into the packages. Mm-hmm. They can't open up, you know, any of the tops. So, nice. um, you know, we prided ourselves in branding as more of a, a medical forward, you know, entity always rather than just a funzy type of program that, you know, hits the market. And it's funny because that actually leads into one of the questions that I've been wanting to ask you for a while. And I'm guessing because, you know, you keep everything so tightly run, which is nice because you have that control, you don't really then outsource product, no. like even plant. You, you, you grow your own. So right now we're working with our farm um, to be actually able to start producing our own genetics um, here by the end of the summer. Okay. Um, so we haven't started producing the flower and the trim products that we use ourselves. Um, we outsource that through a third party entity through the state. But eventually life. you want that as well yes absolutely so we are vice for a reason we want to be vertically integrated through the state um, and make sure that the patients know um, from the point of sale that they were talking to somebody that had a chance to grow the plant and had a chance to also be in the process of making the oils and the edibles and you know as well that's as rare concentrate. yeah to so, be able to talk to the person that actually makes 
the product. Yes, everybody on our team is cross-trained. So if you are, you know, at the dispensary floor one day, you're in the kitchen, you know, doing prep the next day, and then you're in the consumption lounge, and then you might be in, the, you know, our extraction area doing, you know, rosin tech, and then you might be out, you know, trying to learn some stuff at the farm as well to get that full base knowledge. So once they, you know, talk to the consumer, they talk to the patient, um, they have a good understanding of exactly what that product's going to bring them. That's that's really interesting. That yeah. that 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 would actually probably bring them some level of comfort. Absolutely. Even to know to that level what they're getting you all the way down to the dosage. So so everything you're you're basically shooting for everything in house. Did you plan on replicating once you get this down? Because obviously there is a lot to it, yes. a lot of facets to this. Do you plan on duplicating this? Uh, are there cities in mind like in Albuquerque or Santa Fe? Or- Absolutely. So we're a unique company and us as partners, we're, you know, a very dynamic group. We all add a certain, um, you know, level of expertise to the industry that we want to, you know, kind of bring light to each community. Um, Las Cruces being the first um, and being home for myself and my family, um, bring something that's new and unique to cannabis, but then to the area. And we'd like to do so wherever it takes us through New Mexico or if it takes us to other legal markets. We just want to keep bringing a unique brand, um, something that you can't get from other dispensary locations that are in the area. So, you know, just like our edible lineup, there's a ton of edibles that our chefs make that you won't be able to find on any dispensary location. You know, same thing with the way that we do our bud and our free rolls, concentrates. We really uh, pride ourselves in cleaner processes. and. Um, doing everything with a non-solvent extraction, so it's a cleaner process for the patient. It's an easier and you know quicker process for ourselves on turnaround. So, well, we're, we're just dynamically adapting with the market and wherever it takes us. And um, we do have plans to franchise and um, take this mom and pop location that we have to out. everywhere. That's, would you ever consider? Would you guys ever consider? And obviously, it, it's going to be something that you have to give a lot of thought to because you wouldn't want it just going, but selling it to other dispensaries, you know, once they find out, you know, hey, these guys are trusted products very reliable. Would you ever consider like out like getting that out to other? Absolutely. So, um, you know, we have many relationships with a lot of the different dispensary entities in the state. And, you know, it's going to be a pro- I tell this to everybody. It's going to be a process of holding each other's hands nice. and making sure that we all get through this and grow through it. Um, it's just like what we're doing right now. Our farm isn't, you know, up and running. So we, you know, go to other third party producers that are able to get us stocked and consistently stocked to our usage each week. Um, But you want to get there on your own eventually. Yeah, that keeps us open. And, you know, we'll definitely get there on our own. But we appreciate the help, you know, us forward and anybody that we can help, you know, do the same. We're definitely going to do. We're going to, you know, always stock ourselves and make sure our patients are happy face forward, you know, but. Um, whenever it comes to, you know, helping another entity out, get their, you know, feet off the ground, we're definitely there. So this has obviously been a big part of your your journey, you know, as you've come up to this point. Did you think it was going to become legal as soon as it did? Or did you think it was still a few years, several years down the road? You know, we had, we had seen it, you know, kind of tip towards, towards us a couple times right. and, uh, you know, that excitement builds, it gets there, um, but right. you don't want to get you your hopes up too you know, much. Yeah, you don't want to get your hopes up, but you know, at this point in time, I had spent enough money and, you know, my team did as well yeah. into, you know, making sure that this dream was secure, right. um, that, you know, there was really no turning back. It was, it had to be legal. Right. It was um, just a matter of when. Yeah. We had to produce good energy towards what was going to happen, <laughs> right. and, you know, yeah. just to make sure that positive it got done. Positive vibes. Absolutely. Positive <laughs> vibes the entire way. And, um, you know, like I said, we didn't get our license to operate until the night before. Um, and that, you know, should tell people how hard of a process it is to get a cannabis entity up and running, not just, you know, to remodel a, 
you know, 120 some year old building, but, right. you know, to be able to, you know, operate in it in a timely fashion and, you know, get the paperwork necessary to be able to run that type of business. Um, it's a lot of legalities, a lot of ups and downs, but you, you just got to persevere and get there. You know, you have to keep striking forward and, you know, give that positive energy the entire way. You know, there's no, there can't be any quit. <laughs> no, for sure. That's what, well, that's the saying. You just keep going. Yeah. Power through it. So that's really, really good. Now, are you, are, did you kind of travel to other states? This is what I was curious about too, because to get all this knowledge of all the stuff that you need to do, you, you got to kind of build this knowledge mm-hmm. bank as you go. Did you go to Colorado? Did you go to California? Did you say, you know, we like this, we don't like this. How did that work? How so, did that- um, a few years ago, I looked at purchasing an entity out in um, Colorado okay. and, you know, starting up business out there. Um, but the saturated market and the, uh, overlooked- there's only so many licenses given. To yeah. Colorado. And kind of the overlooked processes by their state government turned me away. Um, you know, and my family being from Arizona and California, we had, you know, a lot more roots there in that industry. Um, my father grew in Arizona for G3 genetics. So, um, having a little bit of industry players um, everywhere that I could, you know, reach out to. And um, nice. I did my own consulting on the road as well. So I consulted out of California and Oklahoma as well. And, um, you know, those type of things uh, allowed us to, you know, really build a, a finite detail around what we wanted to do in New Mexico. Yeah. And I think New Mexico offered us, uh, you know, a better um, option for that's what I've heard. a cannabis entity. They made it because they, 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 no limit on licenses apparently is that correct no no limit on licenses and like i tell rld um i respect them a lot because um, coming from arizona i couldn't start a company um like i did now um i I wouldn't be able to call the offices and get you know a first name basis i would have been known as a number and i would have been lost in the system on that you know with paperwork so um where in other states it became a money game to a lot of people um new mexico really took care of the small producers and you know the people that really threw all of their you know chips into one area um they you know they are really you know good about getting back in contact with us helping us with you know paperwork and legislation getting through these hiccups so i had heard about that too and that that was that was something that caught my attention that was something that was different that you don't really hear from state government i heard that they they've got information you can go to to help you get started and you don't you don't always hear that yeah uh, from state government and that's really that's really good that they're doing it it's very interesting that they're doing that as well and you like you said you know in first name basis it's almost like you guys are working with each other through this new yeah. territory absolutely and um you know more so than just even you know working through it it's just uh it's a growing pain for everybody okay. um, the states you know learning how much they need for employment we're learning how much we need from our, our side of business um so it's it's really making sure that we all cover each other's basis and make sure that we do this right um and i think that for any cannabis producer coming in it's just about staying in touch with the local government and mm-hmm. you know making sure that your voice is heard um and as well as staying you know to their parameters never trying to steer off the beaten path and right. do it your own way right. um, always sticking to it with what you know they had guided for you well Kwame Ponchak, thank you, dispensary and consumption lounge owner. That was great. Learned a lot, a lot of stuff I did not know. Uh, and where can people go to find out more information? Whether you know they're not necessarily a dispensary or consumption lounge owner, or maybe they want to be, but on either side of that, where can they go to find out more information? Um, definitely uh, see your local legislation. If it's in another state, uh, go to their uh, you know local uh, cannabis control division or their health department. Um, but ours would be uh, CCD uh, of New Mexico or 
um, the, can the RLD, which would be Rules and Licensing. Um, you can go onto their website and find anything, you know, that would be cannabis directed um, there, um, you know, as well as you can look up, you know, some of the local parameters of what, um, you know, local jurisdiction has for mm -hmm. cannabis um, in certain areas from there as well, too. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Yeah, I learned you. a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, that was actually really, really cool. So, was the building was Yes, it was um, land leased was, and I have the original deeds for it. I have all the original paper. I got original photos, so first and second photos of it. Um,